Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Good morning on the first day of November. Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. And how about that new intro music? You guys asked for the Philly Sports Power Hour to get their own intro, and we got it. So let me see who's here in the chat. I already see Chuck Hutton. I see Wine Niners Wine in the house. Chuck Hutton is excited that the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. We'll talk about that. But it is a beautiful day here, November 1st. It is Dallas Cowboys week. We're getting geared up for Cowboys at the link. But let's get a little roll call. Let me see who's in the house. Good morning to Chuck Hutton, Wine Niners Wine, Jason A-Team, Jim G, Daz, what is up? MC, how you doing, my man? Good to see everybody. A hawk attack in the house. Jason A-Team, not surprised they fired Josh McDaniel. Denise Lorada here, wheels. Love my Power Hour crew, seeing you guys every day here at 10 o'clock. But we got a lot to talk about today on the show. What's up, BSing Sports? I want to talk about this NFL trade deadline. Take a look ahead at this Eagle schedule because we knew when that schedule came out that this was the heart of the schedule. This was the gauntlet these next six games. So I want to talk about that. And like I said, we'll take a look at this NFL trade deadline as well. But who else we have here on this beautiful morning? Steve Ike, how you doing? Tim, the champ, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles is right. But it is good to see everybody. And let's get right into it. Before we get into the NFL trade deadline, let's talk briefly about the Raiders firing Josh McDaniel last night. Guys, if you remember... When the Philadelphia Eagles hired Nick Sirianni to be their head coach, there was a lot of rumors going around that the favorite to be named the next head coach after Doug Peterson was going to be Josh McDaniels. Thank God that didn't happen because we have seen this guy, Josh McDaniels now, be fired in his second season in both stops he had as a head coach. The Denver Broncos got rid of him midway through the second season. And now the Las Vegas Raiders get rid of him midway through the second season. He finishes with a 9-16 and record so far as a head coach. So we did. Steve Ike says we dodged that bullet. Yes, we did. And New Jersey Fishing Maniac, I see it in the chat, man. Appreciate you being here. But one thing you have to say about Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, and there's a lot of positives with them. I think they've built a great organization here. But one thing they do really well is hire head coaches outside of the disaster that Chip Kelly was, which I give them the benefit of the doubt on that. A lot of teams thought Chip Kelly was going to be a great coach in this league. But outside of that, they've made some great coaching hires over the years. If you remember correctly, when Jeffrey Lurie hired Andy Reid, Nobody knew who the hell Andy Reid was. He was the quarterback coach in Green Bay. They hired Andy Reid, everybody in Philly, saying, who the hell did they hire? And they get Andy Reid, who may go down as the best ever to do it if he keeps doing what he's doing in Kansas City. They also hired Doug Peterson. A lot of people thought that was a crazy hire. I think it was Mike Lombardi said it was the worst hire in the NFL. Well, how'd that work out for the Eagles winning a Super Bowl? And now they hire Nick Sirianni. Again, somebody no one knew. Who the hell is this Nick Sirianni when they hired him? And Eagles are doing just fine, aren't they? So thank God we did dodge that bullet of Josh McDaniels. But I see some more of you guys. Say no to Fat Girls Forever. What's going on? Chwiz, how you doing, brother? Can he consult Brian Johnson? I don't want him here, man. I don't want him here. Keep him away from our team. But... You look at Josh McDaniels, and it's just reminding me of as good of a coach as Bill Belichick has been in New England. You look at his coaching tree. 
And the guys who have left Bill Belichick to go get head coaching jobs, and it hasn't been good for a majority of them. I mean, really, hear from you guys in the chat. Outside of Mike Vrabel, who else has had success leaving Bill Belichick and becoming a head coach? And Vrabel was a former player. So this was a guy who, yeah, he falls under Bill Belichick's umbrella. But really, when you look at it, this was a guy who was a former player. You look at these other guys who were just coaches who came up through the ranks with Bill Belichick, and all of them have had zero success. Josh McDaniels, well, we just went over what he's done. Matt Patricia, he's here in Philadelphia. He's helping us out on the defensive side of the ball. But as a head coach, it was a disaster in Detroit. Joe Judge with the New York Giants, another disaster. Romeo Cornell didn't do very well when he was in Cleveland. Bill O'Brien had some success in Houston. Now he's back with New England. And then I see you guys talking about Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores is a good coach. I think he's a good defensive coach, but didn't have a ton of success in Miami. Obviously, that, that didn't work out because the way it ended there. I think he's still in a lawsuit with Miami, if I'm not mistaken, but not a great thing. And then there's another one. I forgot New Jersey fishing maniac, Eric Mangini. He also turned out to be a disaster. So really, Bill Belichick's disciples do not go on to be good head coaches. And I see Wine Niners Wine in the chat saying Belichick is and was not a good coach. Tom Brady taking under market contracts opened up cap space for others. No Brady and Belichick is Brown's Belichick. Sorry, not sorry. Well, that's the debate. I mean, that's the debate a lot of people have about Bill Belichick is what has he done without Tom Brady's? Never won a playoff game. So, look, I'm not going to sit here and say Belichick's not a good coach. You have to be a good coach to win as many games as they've won. But, yes, it was certainly helpful to have the greatest quarterback of all time and one of the greatest leaders, if not the greatest leader of all time, on your team. But, yeah, we dodged that bullet for sure. Not hiring Josh McDaniels. Chip Kelly hired Stoutland. Yes, he did. You got to give Chip Kelly some credit for that one, for sure. J-Dove says in the chat. But let's move on. The NFL trade deadline comes and goes yesterday. Eagles don't make any moves at the deadline. Their big splash was earlier last week when they brought in Kevin Byard, safety from the Tennessee Titans. But the Eagles don't make any late moves. I'm sure Howie Roseman was working the phones. Clearly couldn't get anything done or chose not to get anything done. But let's look around at some of the trades who are going to have an impact on this Philadelphia Eagles team. And let's start with the biggest one. The Washington Commanders send Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers. When I saw that, I'm thinking, you got to be freaking kidding me, man. That 49ers defensive line is absolutely stacked. They already signed Javon Hargrave, as you all know, former Philadelphia Eagle in the offseason. But, man, is that defensive line absolutely stacked bringing in Chase Young. First round pick, number two overall in 2020. The commanders declined his fifth-year option. So this is, if the 49ers cannot re-sign him, this is just a rental. He's only here for the rest of this season, and then he is a free agent in the offseason. So they give up a third-round pick to get a guy who's in the final year of his deal. We'll see if they attempt to re-sign him. But the issue with Chase Young is there is no denying his skill, his ability, his athleticism. When he's healthy, but that has been the big if, when he has been healthy, because it hasn't been a lot. He came into the league in 2020. In 2020, as a rookie, that was really his best season. He played 15 games that year and had seven and a half sacks. Hasn't been able to do it since. In 2021, only played nine games. In 2022, only played three games. So far this year, he's missed one game. But he's off to a hot start. He's got five sacks in seven games. And we've seen it. Eagles have played the commanders enough that you guys see what Chase Young can do when he is healthy. And now you look up and down that 49ers defensive line. And my goodness, dude. 
Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. And don't forget, they traded for Randy Gregory October 6th. Now, Gregory's had some problems staying on the field. But if they can get him right, that is a stacked defensive line. 49ers now have the number two overall pick from 2019 in Nick Bosa and the number two overall pick from 2020 in Chase Young. Scary. Now, the positive, looking at it from an Eagles perspective, that defense is going to be stacked, but I still think they got some issues on the offensive side of the football. I still think they have some issues. Now, I don't think Brock Purdy is a bad quarterback, but I also don't think he's as good as what you saw last season. I think that now that there's more film on him, now that he's been in the league a lot longer, you're starting to see the cracks in Brock Purdy. Decent quarterback. Not an MVP caliber quarterback. Not going to win a lot of games for the 49ers team. He can do enough to win games, but he is not going to win you games. Just Let's look at Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders. Jalen Hurts won that game for the Philadelphia Eagles. When their defense wasn't playing well, when their defense was letting Sam Howell throw for 400 yards, our offense won that game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith were able to say, don't worry, D. We're going to put you on our back today, and we're going to win this football game. 49ers don't have that ability. If their defense doesn't play lights out, they are not going to win in the NFL. So as scary as that defensive line looks, that offense for the 49ers still doesn't scare me. And I know Christian McCaffrey is an absolute stud. I got him on my fantasy team. Puts up points for me every single week. 17 straight games with a touchdown. Great player to have on your fantasy team. But I said this earlier in the season, and I'm going to say it again now, because I don't think Kyle Shanahan is being very smart with how he is using Christian McCaffrey. Through eight games already, this guy has 137 carries. He's on pace for close to 300 carries in the regular season. He's got another 32 catches. Puts him on pace for close to 70 catches. That's over 350 touches in the regular season for this guy. Hey, listen, I got him on my fantasy team, and I'm an Eagles fan. So, hey, Kyle Shanahan, keep doing it. Keep feeding McCaffrey the ball. See what happens. Because we saw what happened in 2019. When Christian McCaffrey was on the Carolina Panthers, he had 287 carries in 2019. He got hurt the next season. In 2022, last year, between Carolina and San Francisco, he had over 240 carries. So you're talking about a guy. Keep feeding him, man, and see what happens. It is a 17-game season, and you've already given this guy 170 touches through eight games? Look, you can't play scared. We've talked about this. You can't play scared, but you also have to be a little bit smart. And that 49ers team, in my opinion, is not being smart with Christian McCaffrey. So keep feeding him and see if he's healthy in the playoffs when the games really matter. And I see Jason A team, CMC is a beast. I hate he's on the Niners. Dude, he is a beast. And if he wasn't on the Niners, he'd probably be one of my favorite players who wasn't on the Eagles because the guy plays the game the right way. He plays hard, man. But that's going to get him hurt if they keep feeding him as much as they are feeding him. So that offense doesn't scare me. I still think this Philadelphia Eagles team is a better team than the San Francisco 49ers. And it all comes down to the Eagles offense. Because as good as this D-line is for the 49ers, as good as that defense is for the 49ers, they're not going to be able to completely shut down this Eagles offense. They're just not. You saw it in the NFC Championship game last year. And if our 49ers fans in the chat would love to hear from you, let me hear about how the 49ers lost because they didn't have a quarterback. That defense couldn't stop the freaking Eagles last year, man. They couldn't stop them. 
So I don't want to hear it was because you didn't have a quarterback. And the only reason you didn't have a quarterback was because Kyle Shanahan decided it would be a good idea to put a backup tight end on one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Hassan Reddick twice. So I know the 49ers were so angry. The NFL needs to change the rule. They, got a, they should have had a third quarterback. If your coach had a better game plan and decided not to block the best pass rusher in the NFL last season with a backup tight end, maybe Brock Purdy wouldn't have gotten hurt. But even if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, Brock Purdy didn't play defense. And they couldn't stop this Eagles offense. Still gets me pissed off with all that chatter. But you look at this 49ers team coming off three straight losses. And we're at the point now, Look, I want to look ahead a little bit. Because Steve Ike, Bill dropping truth bombs. Trying, my man, trying. But you look now, we're at the point in the season where we can start looking ahead a little bit. There's a lot of season left to play, but I'm looking ahead a little bit about getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That is the most important thing for the regular season is we want this Philadelphia Eagles team to be the number one seed. Obviously, they got to take care of business in the NFC East, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we start talking about the Cowboys. Definitely have to take care of business in the NFC East. But let's look ahead at how can they become the number one seed in the entire NFC. And this 49ers team is 5-3. and three. They are coming off three straight losses. They're on a bye week this week. And as hard as the Eagles' schedule is over the next few weeks, 49ers got a pretty tough schedule, too. Coming out of their bye, they are going to Jacksonville. And the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, 6-2. and two. Our man, Dougie P., has the Jaguars playing some really good football. Love Dougie P. I think we will all love Doug Peterson forever in this city. But Dougie P, Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars, they're playing some good football. 49ers come out of the bye. They have to go to Jacksonville for that game. Not an easy game. Not an easy game at all. And a little side note. Eagles played Andy Reid in the Super Bowl last year. Could you imagine if they got to the Super Bowl again this year and the Jaguars were there and now they got to play Doug Peterson? Be a pretty interesting storyline. Andy last year, Dougie P this year. Could happen. Not the craziest thing in the world. It could happen. But I see Jason A team rooting for Jacksonville and Doug. Me too, man. I root for the Jaguars every week. But I'm definitely going to be rooting for them next week because when the 49ers come out of their bye, they're in Jacksonville. But you look at this remaining schedule for the 49ers, it's not easy. At Jacksonville, they're then home against Tampa Bay. They should beat Tampa Bay. But then they have to go at Seattle, at Philadelphia, home against Seattle. Not an easy stretch for them either. And we'll talk about this tough Eagles stretch in a few minutes but not an easy stretch for them. They then go to Arizona, and then they have to play Baltimore. Again, not an easy game. And then they kind of finish with two tough, with two easy games, I should say, Washington and the Rams. But 49ers 5-3, and three, already two games behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Great move for them bringing in Chase Young if he stays healthy. But they got a tough road ahead, and that offense doesn't scare me. But let's look around, keeping up with the trade deadline of some moves that were made. The Detroit Lions, not a huge move, but a move that should add to their offense. They make a trade for Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver from Cleveland. Not going to move the needle too much, but just adds another playmaker, probably their third wide receiver on that team. So far this year, he's got eight catches, 97 yards, nothing big. But that Lions offense is solid, and they are balanced. You saw what they did against the Las Vegas Raiders, over 200 yards passing and over 200 yards rushing. A very balanced attack. And they got some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Amon Ross St. Brown is a flat-out stud. Great wide receiver. Jamison Williams, we'll see. He's got a lot of talent. Sam Laporta, rookie tight end, very, very good. And now you add Jameer Gibbs to that backfield, who – Really look good against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night. 
And then they got David Montgomery coming back from injury. So that team is tough. That team is really tough. And what scares me about the Lions is I think when you look at all of the teams at the top of the NFC, you got the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Lions, and the Seahawks. Those are really the teams who are vying for the number one seed in the NFC. I think the Lions have the easiest schedule by far remaining. I mean, look at their schedule. They're on a bye this week, too, but they are 5-2. and two. They come out of the bye. They're at the Los Angeles Chargers. Winnable game. Then they have Chicago, who's a disaster. Green Bay, who hasn't been very good. At New Orleans, not an easy game, but not a game they can't win. At Chicago versus Denver. And then they finish the season at Minnesota, at Dallas versus Minnesota. I see JM in the chat saying they have a guaranteed three to five losses. You tell me in their remaining games, what are the guaranteed losses for them? Look, I don't think they're going to finish winning all of those games. But they could. Every single one of those games is a winnable game for the Detroit Lions. I see JM saying that the Lions aren't beating the Chargers. I have no confidence in the Chargers ever. I think their head coach stinks, man. But you look at these other games, and I know division games are always tough, J-Dub. That is a good point. Division games are always tough. So they do have to play Chicago and Green Bay and Minnesota. But look at what just happened with the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins is out for the year, man. So that becomes a completely different game. And when we're talking about the trade deadline, a move that will hopefully help the Vikings is they make a move for Josh Dobbs from Arizona. That kid, Josh Dobbs, man, just keeps bouncing around. I root for him. I think he's got some talent, that kid. It's a shame he just can't stay with the team. He keeps getting moved around. It's hard in the NFL. Keep learning new offenses, getting new offensive coordinators, new players. But that maybe will help. But they have two games against Minnesota who don't have their starting quarterback. They got to play Denver, who, yeah, they look good against Kansas City, but they have them at home, and we know how bad Denver's been. That's the team that really scares me when we're talking about being the number one seed in the NFC. Because I think this Lions team, they have the easiest schedule. Jake Friel, I agree with you. Jake says that the toughest opponent the Lions have is the Cowboys at the end of the season. And I agree, and that game is at Dallas in Week 17. And JM says the Chargers, Dallas, Minnesota, and the Saints can all beat them. I agree. These teams can beat them. But Detroit definitely has the easiest path to the number one seed. Yes, every team can beat you. We've seen that. Every single week, any team can beat another team in the NFL. But when you're just looking at who they have to play in front of them, they have the easiest path. And Bobby Murphy says the same thing in the chat. And what I don't like is the Eagles don't get to play the Detroit Lions. Eagles are going to play the Cowboys twice. The Eagles are going to play the 49ers. The Eagles are going to play the Seattle Seahawks. So the Eagles can control their destiny against those teams. They don't play the Detroit Lions. So the Eagles have a tough stretch coming up, and we'll talk about the next six games for the Philadelphia Eagles. But if things don't go the way we want them to go in the next six games, the Lions got a real shot to be that number one seed. But another team you just heard me mention at the top of the NFC is the Seattle Seahawks. And they make a pretty big move at the deadline, bringing in defensive tackle Leonard Williams. Former Jet, former Giant. So he goes there. But they also have a tough schedule. You heard me talk about the 49ers' tough schedule. But Seattle's got a tough schedule coming up as well. So they're at Baltimore this week. Tough game. They then have two winnable games, Washington and the Rams. And then they go on a gauntlet stretch. We talk about this Philadelphia Eagles gauntlet of a few weeks in a row. Listen to this. Seattle plays San Francisco, then has to go to Dallas, then has to go to San Francisco, then has to play the Eagles at home. That's a four tough, four tough games in a row right there. And the Eagles get them at the end of it, which is good. The game's in Seattle. 
but they're going to be coming off San Fran and then two straight road games at Dallas, at, at San Francisco before they play the Eagles. So Eagles can take care of business with Seattle, Dallas, and the 49ers to help themselves. But just keep your eyes on that Detroit Lions team. And then some other trades in the NFL that have a little bit of an impact on the Philadelphia Eagles. Rasul Douglas, former corner for the Philadelphia Eagles. He goes from Green Bay to Buffalo. So we'll see him when we play the Buffalo Bills. And then another move, guard Ezra Cleveland goes from Minnesota to our man Dougie P and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, but when we get back, guys, I want to switch gears from these other teams and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to look at the Dallas Cowboys remaining schedule. And then I want to talk about this Philadelphia Eagles schedule because we are here. We are at the gauntlet that we all saw in the offseason when the schedule got released. And now it's finally here. And the Eagles are sitting at 7-1 and one in a good spot. But I want to talk about that. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Appreciate all you guys taking this hour to spend with me talking Philadelphia sports. Would appreciate it if you smash that like button, hit that share button. More Philadelphia sports fans we can reach, the better. And I see you guys in the chat talking about Josh Dobbs and, and what happened there. Yes, yeah, so Arizona traded him to the Minnesota Vikings. They didn't get much. They traded Dobbs and a seventh rounder in exchange for a six rounder. So. Really didn't give up that much to get Dobbs. But it reminded me, do you guys remember when Bridgewater went down and the Minnesota Vikings needed a quarterback? 
and Howie being Howie absolutely fleeced the Minnesota Vikings getting a first-round draft pick for Sammy Sleeves, Sam Bradford. Do you guys remember that one? Eagles have made some really good trades giving up backup quarterbacks. They got, I think, a second-rounder for Kevin Cobb. They got a second-rounder for A.J. Feely from the Miami Dolphins back in the day. I think it was a second-rounder. They got another second-round pick from the Washington Commanders for Donovan McNabb, whose career was over. They've done a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff. I see SMD Eagles. Just stopped by here for the first time. Bill is saying exactly what I said in the 365 chat, that Detroit has an easy schedule the rest of the way other than Dallas. Well, good to see you, SMD. Glad you are checking in on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Hopefully the best hour in Philadelphia sports talk. But I appreciate all you guys here. Smash that like button. Smash that share button for me as well. But before we talk about this Dallas Cowboys team and the Philadelphia Eagles and their remaining schedules and all that, I just did a video on my Instagram, and if you're not following me already, at Legal Hands to the Face, or check me out on Twitter, at Bill Calarulo. But I just did a video about my favorite Eagles-Cowboys memory of all time, and I want to hear from you guys in the chat what your favorite Eagles-Cowboys memory of all time is, but I'm going to tell you mine. October 10th, 2006. I had just started working for the Eagles. It was literally my first game because I got hired midseason. It was my first game on the sidelines with the Philadelphia Eagles. It was Terrell Owens' first game back in Philadelphia after that horrible 2005 season where he's in his driveway doing sit-ups and the whole season just went to shit. You got Terrell Owens back at the link. And I see Steve Ike in the chat. Nailed it, man. Nailed it. It's 31-24 Eagles. 32 seconds left in the game. The Cowboys have the ball at the six-yard line. Drew Bledsoe drops back, throws it into the end zone. Lito Shepard picks it off, takes it 102 yards back the other way, and the whole link is singing, Lito! Oh! Sorry for my voice, guys, but that was awesome. That is a memory I will never forget. That is probably my favorite Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles memory, singing the Lido Shuffle at the link with 60,000 fans in my first game on the sidelines was pretty freaking incredible, guys. Still gets me jacked up. I'm getting goosebumps, man. It was just an awesome, awesome experience being down there on the field. Another game that I was down there for, which is a close second, favorite memory was December 28th, 2008. That was the year the Eagles didn't have a great regular season. In fact, that was the year they had that tie that we thought the season was basically over after they tied. I think it was the Ravens. But we go into that last game of the year, week 17. The Eagles needed the Raiders to beat somebody, and I forget who it was, but it was a 4-15 game the Eagles had with the Cowboys. And the Bengals, that's right. I think the tie was the Bengals. But the Eagles needed the Raiders to win earlier that day, and it happened. So then when 4-15 kickoff, everybody, I'm on the sidelines, everybody on the Eagles just finds out the Raiders took care of business. They won that game. So now all the Eagles had to do was beat the Cowboys in Week 17, and the Eagles are going to the playoffs. And Dan Kelly Green Burrito nails it. The Eagles absolutely destroyed them 44 to 6, setting off a great run for the Philadelphia Eagles that year. Thought they were going to the Super Bowl. They get all the way to the NFC Championship against the Cardinals and Kurt Warner. And the Eagles go up late in that game, if you remember. And unfortunately, couldn't hold the lead. But those are two of my favorite memories. I want to hear from, from you guys in the chat. I want to scroll down, see what you guys are saying your favorite memories are. Let me see. Wow, you guys, there's a lot of them in here. So let's see. Some of your favorite memories. 44-6, I'm saying. Lito Shepard. 3810. Uh, Jerry Jones firing Jim Johnson. Best memory, and they have sucked since. <laughs> wine Niners wine, you're not wrong with that, man. What a mistake that was, getting rid of Jerry, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, man, his ego. 
Jake Friel, Week 17, 2013. Brandon Boykin picks off Kyle Orton, and the Eagles run out the clock to clinch the NFC East. Man, I forgot about Kyle Orton having to play for the Cowboys. Dan Kelly, Green Burrito, 37-9 in 2017. What else we got? The Brian Westbrook slide to win the game, 10-6. What else you got? Yeah, A-Killer Ferret. That's exactly right, man. The Bengals tie. It was when McNabb said after the game he didn't know a tie was possible. And everybody thought that tie was really the end of that season. It turned out being what they needed to get them into the playoffs. And then they go on that great run. FF Explorer. Somebody said that one on my Instagram as well. The pickle juice game was pretty good. That was a hot game down in Dallas. I think that was Deuce, right? Deuce was on the Eagles back then. And they dominated the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in the pickle juice game. Thank Kelly Green Burrito beating Dallas to win the division in 2013. Adams Exploits, good morning, my man. How are you? B-Dog shined in that blowout. Yes, he did. Brian Dawkins strip fumble. You remember, I think it was Brian Dawkins flying through the air like a superhero tackling Marion Barber. You remember that one? 1995, where they stopped them on fourth down twice. Wasn't that at the goal line, Real Zeal? I think that was at the goal line, if I'm not mistaken. The Real Zeal, the 1980 NFC Championship game. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't born yet, but I know that was a big one. Wilbert Montgomery, right? Jaws wins the game to go to the Super Bowl. But some really great memories over the years between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Texas boy. Here we go. We got our Texas boy in the house trolling. I'll read the I'll read it for you. Remember Romo beating McNabb last season and he beat him again in the playoffs. Vic was also on that team and lost. All right. You've had your some success. Not going to take it away from you. You've had some success. But don't hit me with the how many rings do you have? Because last time you guys were in a conference championship game, I think was 1995, brother. So Brian Lippincott hitting Jimmy with snowballs. But let's take a look at this year because all these great memories are great. But let's hope we make some new memories in the next few weeks because we have the Dallas Cowboys this week. And you look at the Cowboys. They don't make any trades at the trade deadline. Jerry Jones says their team is just fine and that they don't have to make any moves. So they don't make any moves at the trade deadline. But we look at... Their remaining schedule, not as hard, I think, as the Philadelphia Eagles' remaining schedule, but not easy either, if you look. They're going to be at Philadelphia on Sunday. They then have three winnable games. They got the Giants, then they go to Carolina, and then they have the Washington Commanders. Three winnable games for the Dallas Cowboys. But then that's when they start their tough stretch. Home against Seattle, home against the Cowboys, and then they have to go back-to-back road games at Buffalo, at Miami, and then they come home for the Detroit Lions, and then they finish the season at Washington. Not easy. Not easy for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are sitting here at 5-2. and two. Eagles are 7-1. and one. So this game is a big, big game for not only the NFC East, but really the entire NFC and all of the seating for the NFC. Wine, Niners, wine. Pretty sure the Cowboys have been irrelevant since 1996. (laughs) JM, the commanders without Montez Sweat and Chase Young is like fighting a shark with no teeth. Yeah, that was another trade that happened too. Montez Sweat goes to the Chicago Bears twice now at the deadline Two years in a row where the Chicago Bears make a trade, but it's not going to really help them this year. We'll help them in the future. But Montez Sweat's been playing really well this season. So that's a definitely a big move for the commanders to give him up and to give up Chase Young. Sweat so far this season in eight games has six and a half sacks. So he was playing really well. Five seasons, he's got over 35 sacks. Good player. So he is now on the Chicago Bears. Texas boy. The Bills have been up and down. The Dolphins is really the only hard one. 
Texas boy, just curious. Do you think the Eagles game is a hard game? You got two games against the Eagles. Do you think those are easy games or are those just going to be rollover games for the Dallas Cowboys? What do you think? What do you think? So let's take a look. So I told you Dallas Cowboys, they got a pretty tough schedule. But now we are finally at that point for the Philadelphia Eagles schedule where in the offseason when the schedule was released, we looked at it and said, damn, what a gauntlet. And it may not be as difficult as we thought when we looked at it at the offseason simply because the Buffalo Bills don't look as dominant, but that's still not going to be an easy game. But you look at the next six games for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I want your guys' opinion in the chat of what you think the Eagles need to do. Not what you think they will do, but what you think the Eagles need to do in the next six games to really solidify the number one seed in the NFC. So they come out this week. We have the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Eagles then go on their bye. And then they have to go at Kansas City on a Monday night. And when the schedule first got released, I thought, great. Philadelphia Eagles, at least they get the Chiefs coming off of a bye. Well, the Chiefs also have their bye. And you guys know how good Andy Reid is coming off of a bye. So great that the Eagles have a bye but the Chiefs have their bye, too, right before that game. So we got Dallas this week, bye next week. Then we're at Kansas City. Then the Eagles come back to the link to play the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers in back-to-back weeks. And then they got two tough road games. Got to go to Dallas, to Seattle, and then they come back for hopefully three winnable games, home against the Giants, home against the Cardinals, And then last game of the year at the New York Giants. So I don't necessarily like to do this, predict wins, but let's just assume for a second that the Philadelphia Eagles are able to win the last three games of the year, two against the New York Giants and one against the Arizona Cardinals. I know division games are always tough, but let's assume they're able to win those three games. That puts the Eagles at 10 wins. You're sitting here. Okay, we got 10 wins, one loss. So that takes those six tough games we have over the next seven weeks. There's a buy in there. But six games over the next seven weeks. What do the Philadelphia Eagles have to do in those six games to get the number one seed? And I see some of you guys in the chat already saying four and two. Well, if the Eagles can go four and two, as long as those two losses aren't to the Dallas Cowboys, if they're able to go four and two, that puts them at 14 and three on the season. I think 14 and three gets it done for the number one seed in the NFC because we talked about the teams who are pushing you. I think it's a no brainer. If they go four and two, I think they have the number one seed because the 49ers already have three losses. Seattle already has two. Dallas already has two. Those teams, they're not going nine and two the rest of the way. Right? Is that what it would be? No, nine and one the rest of the way. They're not going nine and one the rest of the way. So, yeah, it would be great. I think it would guarantee us at four and two. But even three and three, and I see some of you guys saying three and three, if the Eagles are able to go three and three and split with Dallas, that puts them at 13 and four on the season. Does 13 and four get them the number one seed? I don't know. Because I see Wine Niners Wine in the chat that the Lion and Seahawks could both go 14 and three. And that's the truth. They really could. I talked to you guys about their remaining schedule, but that would be tough. That would mean that the Lions and the Seahawks only lose one game the rest of the way. That's not easy. Because remember, the Seahawks, they already had their bye. Seattle's sitting there at 5-2. and two. So they have, what, nine more games, ten more games? They have ten more games. So for the Seattle Seahawks to go – 14 and 3. They'd have to go 9 and 1 the rest of the way. 
that's tough to do in this league. You guys know that. That is tough to do in this league. And you look at the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions are 6-2. and two. They have their bye week this week, too. So they would have to go 8-1 and one the rest of the way. So I, I just, look, 4-2 and two I think is a guarantee that the Philadelphia Eagles would be the number one seed, assuming that they don't lose both to Dallas. But even 3-3 three and three may get you there. 3-3 three and three may get you there. But what the Eagles cannot afford to do, and this isn't a hot take, this is the obvious, I don't think they can go 2-4. and four. I don't think that they can go 2-4 and four over the next six and expect to be the number one seed. Because even if they take care of business the last three games of the year, that puts them at 12-5 and five on the season. And I don't think 12-5 and five gets you the number one seed. Not with... Dallas at 5 and 2, Seattle at 5 and 2, Detroit at 6 and 2. But we will see. We will see what happens, but it's going to be a fun stretch, guys. It is definitely going to be a fun stretch. And I want to see what you guys are saying here in the chat. Sports on 88 says 6 and 3 the rest of the way would lock up the NFC. You may not be wrong. That puts them at 13 and 4. Like I said, I think 13 and 4 could get it done. 13 and 4 could get it done. 4 and 2 in the next 6 definitely gets it done. Adams Exploits would be happy with 13 and 4. Wine Niners Wine, look at their schedules versus the Eagles schedules. What are you saying there, Wine Niners Wine? You're talking about the Lions and the Seahawks remaining schedules? Steve Ike, birds are the best team in football, and I don't think they've played their best ball yet. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. you know, I, I said this kind of yesterday a little bit, is the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni are winning so many regular season games that we are becoming a little bit spoiled as a fan base because winning now is no longer good enough. It's how they win. That has us up in arms at times. And I do think that we go back with revisionist history a little bit and forget that even when they were winning games last season, and you look back at that 2017 Super Bowl run season, every game was not a blowout. Let's just go back to the 2017 season, a game that really set them on their run was early in the year they played the New York Giants. It was Jake Elliott's first game. He was a rookie, and he had a kick that 60-yarder or 61-yarder, whatever it was, to win that game. They barely got by that New York Giants team, and that Giants team was not very good. They were not very good. And you even go back to, we talked about Jalen Hurts hasn't lost back-to-back games since I think week week six and seven of the 2021 season. And even in the game after that, you know, they barely beat the Indianapolis Colts. But you just look last year, they, they, they dominated a lot of teams, definitely dominated a lot of teams, but every win wasn't necessarily an absolute blowout. It's not easy. It is not easy to win games in the NFL, but it's certainly not easy to dominate every game in the NFL, and you look at last year, you remember what we were talking about last year, because as good as that team was, and remember they were unreal in the second quarter last year, outscoring opponents at a historic pace in the second quarter last year, but if you remember last year, what we kept talking about, what we were nervous about, was they weren't scoring points in the second half. You guys remember that? It was as good as this offense is, as great as these wins are, they're not scoring in the second half. Can they score in the second half? So we do have a little bit of revisionist history when we look back at other years and think about, oh, they were so dominant, and this team is, is not putting it all together. And I agree. They haven't put together a complete game yet. I think the closest thing was probably the Dolphins game, the Tampa Bay Bucks game. But the Philadelphia Eagles have a really good football team. And Salvador Terran in the chat, now it's the red zone issues. 
and you're spot on with that, man. You're spot on with the red zone. And I just still don't understand it because you look back at last season, pretty much the same personnel. You've heard me say this before. It's pretty much the same personnel. It's a different right guard and a different running back. Outside of that, you pretty much have the exact same personnel on this offensive side of the football. And last year, the Philadelphia Eagles offense was converting in the red zone close to 68% of the time, which put them at number three in the NFL. This year, they're a little over 51%, which is 18th in the NFL. So what is the difference? And I see J-Dove in the chat, the offensive coordinator. Really, when you look at it, the only difference is the offensive coordinator. Now, I'm not putting all of this on Brian Johnson's shoulders. The defenses are definitely playing the Eagles differently down in the red zone. The Eagles are not running as many RPOs this season. You've seen it not only in the red zone, but everywhere on the field. The Eagles are not running as many RPOs because they don't want Jalen Hurts running the ball as much. And I don't know if that was a conscious decision to try to keep him healthy or it's because he's not healthy. We know that knee's banged up. But that changes things down in the red zone. But I do agree that Brian Johnson needs to be more creative down in the red zone. Some of the play calls have been ridiculous down in the red zone. Now, I just gave him the benefit of the doubt, not calling many RPOs, maybe Jalen's hurt, but they were calling a ton of quarterback draws. But what I don't like about the quarterback draw is it's one-dimensional. Jalen Hurts doesn't have a pass option when you call a quarterback draw. So if the draw's not there, the play is dead. For me, what I like in the red zone is options. If you're going to roll Jalen Hurts out, make sure there's a passing option. Don't just have Jalen roll out for the sake of running the ball, which we've seen this year. Have an option that he can throw the ball if the run's not there. Because we all know what happens in the red zone. The field shrinks. Defenses no longer have to worry about getting beat over the top because there is no over the top. So the field shrinks. They're able to be closer to the line of scrimmage. So my favorite play calls in the red zone are ones that create options. So that if the run's not there, you have the ability to throw. If Jalen Hurts is rolling out, he has the option to run it or throw it. But definitely need to get more creative in the red zone. And to give the Eagles some credit here, they have been better in the red zone the last two weeks outside of those two ridiculous fumbles they had against the Commanders. That's unacceptable. But that's not on Brian Johnson's play call necessarily. That's on the players not executing. He calls a brotherly shove at the one-yard line. You don't expect Jalen to fumble that ball. Now, I say it's not on Brian Johnson necessarily because he does put the ball in Kenny Gainwell's hands down at the goal line, which I still don't understand the love affair with Kenny Gainwell. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Kenny Gainwell is a bad running back on this team. I don't think he's a bad running back, but he shouldn't be your number two. And if you guys follow the show or you follow me at Legal Hands to the Face, you know the one move I was hoping the Philadelphia Eagles made yesterday was bringing in a big-bodied back. And if it wasn't going to get done at the trade deadline, which it didn't happen, is there a guy out there in free agency that maybe they could bring up? I was really hoping the Eagles would have looked at Leonard Fournette. Unfortunately, the Buffalo Bills swooped him in. Would have really have loved Leonard Fournette. I think he would have been a nice change of pace back to DeAndre Swift. But I don't like Kenny Gainwell as your change of pace back. Let him be your RB3. And I don't think the answer is Boston Scott either. You've heard me say it time and time again. They're the same size back. All three of these guys are relatively the same size. Except for Boston Scott, he's even smaller. You need a big-bodied back. If you guys followed the show yesterday, I asked Dave Spadaro, what's going on with Rashad Penny? Everybody wants Rashad Penny to get an opportunity. What is the problem? Why can't he get on the field? Is he not healthy? Has injuries finally taken their toll on him? 
Is he not the same guy we saw in Seattle averaging 5.9 yards per carry? Why can't he get on the damn field? He can't even activate on game days. What's going on with Penny? I've also asked Derek Gunn, if you guys follow the Jacob Sports pregame, halftime, and postgame shows, I do that with D. Gunn, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetta, Mikey Miss. And D. Gunn said he's talked to people inside the organization who have essentially said he is there as an insurance policy, and they want him healthy down the road. Whatever that means. Will we see Rashad Penny down the road? But I think something needs to happen here. And I see M. Reyes saying in the chat that we don't need a big body back. Well, I've given you guys this stat before. I'm going to give it to you again. This Philadelphia Eagles offense has struggled in the running game over the last five weeks. The running backs are averaging 3.2 yards per carry in the last five games. That would put them in the bottom of the NFL, guys. As good as we think that this offensive line is for the Philadelphia Eagles, their running backs are averaging 3.2 yards per carry in the last five games. That's not good enough. And I know people out there say, hey, it's not a running league anymore. It's a passing league. I agree. It is a passing league. But you have to be able to run the football in this league. You have to be able to, when you have the lead in a game, to run the football. And I see some of you guys saying a big body back wouldn't change that. I don't necessarily agree with you. Because you need a back that's able to run between the tackles. And as good as DeAndre Swift is, and I think the kid is an absolute stud, and I think he should still get a majority of the carries. DeAndre Swift should still be your running back one. There's no doubt about it. But prior to this season, he has only had more than 15 carries in a game twice. And as the season progresses and we go through this tough stretch we just talked about and we get into the playoffs and we get into the cold weather, you have to be able to run the football between the tackles. And we saw it. Eagles offense played great on Sunday. I'm not saying they didn't play great against the commanders. But when they got the ball back with four minutes left, they could not go into a four-minute offense because they don't have the ability to run the football. And I see a Steve Ike, Cam's the missing link. I'm hopeful Cam Jurgens will help this team. But I just would like to see a little bit of a change of pace because I don't think the answer is Kenny Gainwell. Hell, I'd even be happy to give Boston Scott a little bit more opportunity than you're giving him right now. And I see Keon saying we didn't have a big running back last year. I don't necessarily agree with that. I know Miles Sanders is not a very big back, but he did have the ability to run between the tackles. He did have that ability. And if you looked at the Super Bowl, how did that work out for us? Not having that change of pace back. Would have been nice to have a big back, wouldn't it? When they couldn't run the football and they didn't have faith in Miles Sanders and they kept giving it to Kenny Gainwell in that Super Bowl. But we will see. Guys, real quick, running out of time here, like we end every day with today in sports history, November 1st, there's two of them, both involving the same player. November 1st, 1959, Jim Brown for the Cleveland Browns became the first player in NFL history to run for five touchdowns. That has since been passed. It was an NFL record at the time, but Alvin Kamara, Gail Sayers, and Dub Jones have passed him with six. But then again, November 1st, 1964, sticking with our man Jim Brown, became the first player in NFL history with 10,000 career rushing yards. Jim Brown was an absolute beast. Wished I was alive to see that guy play back in the day. But guys, I appreciate all of you spending this hour with me. We will be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And like we do every Thursday, we will have our Thursdays with Farzee. Mark Farzetta will be joining the show. Want to talk to him a little bit about the Sixers trade, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, obviously. So we will have Farzee tomorrow on the show. But before you leave, guys, smash that like button, smash that share button. Appreciate every single one of you who took the time to engage in the chat and be here with us today. I will see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. 
Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.